Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, August 11th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Is the gig up for Uber and Lyft in California? And the Federal Reserve shot down an appeal by Goldman Sachs over capital reserves. Plus, was Sweden's relatively lax coronavirus response as bad as many people thought? I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. A judge in California ruled yesterday that Uber and Lyft must classify their drivers as employees. The FT's Dave Lee explains how this ruling might create some real challenges for all sorts of companies that rely on so-called gig workers. On the part of the gig economy companies, and it's it's not just Uber and Lyft, it's worth saying, it's others like DoorDash and Instacart and all these companies that have built these huge businesses. The reason why they're defending it so vigorously is because their business model relies on these people not being employees. They'd have to pay healthcare, they'd have to pay sick pay and, and added benefits. It's going to require some significant changes to those models and perhaps lose that edge that gig economy companies have had when it comes to pricing and, and flexibility and so forth. Now, the people calling for these changes for making drivers employees it's the people of california it's the california state attorney and, and the city attorneys they're saying you know this is just if you're working for a company in california you're afforded a certain set of rights and uber and lyft and other gig economy companies are flouting those laws and not giving employees things that they need now this has become an even more intense debate of course because of covid19 where you have uber drivers suddenly not able to work as much where for their own safety or just because demand has capitulated, that's where these benefits should be kicking in. And because they're not considered employees, they're not kicking in. The rule will go into effect in nine days unless a higher court steps in and and puts it on hold, Dave. Um, But, you know, can Uber and Lyft realistically make this work? Well, they, they say they can't make it work without severe disruption to those services. So what that means for Uber is, you know, they've said that the change would mean more than 100,000 drivers would not be able to work for Uber and Lyft anymore. And they say the reason for that is that if they had to change to an employee model, then rather than having, you know, someone who has a part-time job and does a bit of Uber driving on the side for a couple of hours a week, you know, Uber won't be able to hire those people. Uh, instead, it would need people to be full-time drivers. They would need people to drive in certain parts of the city where demand is greater. And in order to do that, they're going to lose this flexibility that, has made working for the platform appealing for for a great number of people. Now, on Monday morning, the New York Times published an op-ed from Dara Khosrowshahi, who's the chief executive of Uber, and he was calling for what he's been calling the third way, like a third type of employment. If you work a certain number of hours, you get a certain amount of benefits, and there's like a scale depending on how much you work. And that's, I think we're going to see a lot more of that discussion about how gig work should work in future because it seems neither employee or contractor really handles this new world of gig work, um, which is causing all this friction. Dave, I'm, I'm curious, this is happening all in California, but is there any chance that this could spread elsewhere? Could this go to a, a more lasting widespread change? You know, symbolically to have California reject the gig economy's business model is going to have a real big rip- ripple effect i think it's pretty fair to say particularly when you you know when you read the judge's remarks about this 
what's on trial here essentially is this idea that companies can operate in this way full stop it's not some technicality it's it's a very almost like philosophical question about what the future of work is going to be when it comes to these companies and i think that's going to have a big effect An update now on that story about Goldman Sachs' effort to convince the Federal Reserve that it does not need to keep so much capital on hand. Goldman's argument is centered around its trading business that's been doing well lately. Well, the Fed wasn't convinced and denied Goldman's appeal. The capital requirements for Goldman Sachs remained unchanged from what the central bank recommended after its June stress tests. The Fed denied four other appeals by banks, including BMO, Capital One Financial, Citizens, and Regions. In a statement, Goldman said that it would hold more discussions with regulators as they continue the Fed's review of its stress testing methodology. How's Sweden doing? The country made headlines at the start of the pandemic for its more laid-back response to coronavirus. It had fewer restrictions than other countries, which made it a kind of control group for other countries that took more drastic measures. Our Nordics correspondent, Richard Milne, says Sweden's results are a mixed bag. Sweden's approach was really just to make sure its health system could function. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't to get herd immunity. It wasn't to protect the economy. All these things may be functions of that. And and herd immunity definitely falls into that. And, And the chief epidemiologist in Sweden talks a lot about immunity and whether Sweden might get there. And of course, that's one of the unknowns. He has said that he thinks the fall in July, Sweden's cases per capita fell almost 90%. That part Part of that was due to the fact that in cities like Stockholm, immunity levels are fairly high. One of the issues is we just don't know how high. And also, July, every article in the international press often boils down to either Sweden was right or Sweden was wrong. And I've always tried to avoid that because I think we just don't know. You know, and I think what needs to be said is, as far as the Swedish public, the overwhelming support is still in favour of the strategy. There's a rising number of people who question it, but it's still a pretty popular strategy. Even with the death rate, I mean, Sweden, it was briefly, but Sweden did have the highest per capita death rate in the world at one point. In Sweden, they would say it sort of depends which direction you look at. If you look at the overall per capita death rate, there are a number of countries, the UK, Spain and Belgium above them. Now, a lot of critics would say that the most similar countries to Sweden are the Nordic countries. And on that measure, Sweden has 20 times the number of per capita deaths than Norway Underlying all of this, you know, there are doubts about statistics, about how people report deaths. And so if you look at a measure like excess mortality, Sweden doesn't do as badly as it does on sort of reported numbers. So, for instance, I mean, the UK is sort of twice as bad as Sweden is on excess mortality, approximately. So so kind of a mixed bag, not the worst country, but definitely not one of the best ones either. It's somewhere in the middle. Do I have that right? Yeah, but of course, that's if we're just taking deaths as the kind of scoreboard. And I think proponents of the Swedish approach would say, you know, you also have to take, you know, maybe the economy, you also have to take sort of invisible things, you know, mental health, all sorts of things. Mental health being because 
people could go outside and, and enjoy their lives almost normally the way that they would in non-pandemic times. Yeah, so Sweden's approach has been characterized as a sort of no lockdown approach, which is partly right. I mean, they tried to keep as much open as possible. So they kept open the schools or most of the schools, schools up to the age of 16. They kept open restaurants and bars and fitness clubs. They kept their borders open. But that isn't to say that life went on exactly as normal. You know, people were encouraged to work from home. They were certainly told to keep their distance. And, you know, that's what people did. So it was probably a place that was more normal than most of the world, but it was far from normal. Did the early decision not to impose a lockdown have any economic benefits? Yeah, well, this is one of the potential positive side benefits. Uh, Sweden was pretty much the only European country in the first quarter, which obviously just includes March, um, the start of the pandemic in Europe, to have positive GDP. In the second quarter, it's pretty disastrous. Its GDP fell 8.6%. That's one of the worst figures on record. But it's much better than a lot of the Eurozone. It's much better than the powerhouse of the Eurozone, which is Germany. But again, it's a question of which way you look, because we don't have the numbers yet for the Nordic neighbours. But the expectation for the full year 2020 as a whole is that Sweden's economy will decline by about four to five percent. And that's going to be about the same, possibly a touch worse than Denmark and Norway. Richard Milne is our Nordics correspondent. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, thanks very much. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.